if my message to to again anyone that's starting a business is that it's all about you know scrapping you know ham and cheese sandwiches you know 7-eleven coffees that's that's what it's going to be like that's the reality of it you're listening to the nine to survive podcast where we speak to the most inspiring entrepreneurs of australia i'm your host alex whiteside the ceo of easy companies running your own business can be quite daunting and scary We're here to show you how to face those fears and help you build your dream today. We listen to the innovators, the game changers, and the thought leaders who have built their startups from the ground up. Hear what makes them tick, how they've overcome their own failures, and be inspired to take your own leap of faith and ignite your passion for business. So on today's show, we have Michael Buggy from Yeagle. So he's matching uh, law firms with paralegals and created a gig economy marketplace. He's been doing that for about two years now. And here's his story. It's great to have you in, Michael. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, so tell me a bit about your backstory. Like, what what did you want to be when you were younger? <laughs> uh, I wanted to play sport. I guess um, a lot of sort of startup journeys or founders you hear about, you know, people selling lemonade out the front of their house. I was just chasing a football around the backyard, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't really know. I kind of, you know, stumbled into a career in journalism. I kind of, I've lent towards doing, um, you know, sports journalism, but, uh, over a few years, I guess I came to see that, um, you know, the opportunities in media, this was sort of mid two thousands were maybe not there. The internet was changing the way that we consume media. And I was working in, in television as a, as a producer and, um, you know, over that period, I guess, uh, the internet, as I say, was changing things. And, um, from there took up a career in law and over time saw some opportunities there. And now I'm running my own, you know, paralegal marketplace. So it's, I guess a bit like anyone, you sort of, you have chance meetings, you, yeah. you think, you know, something and then you give it a go and then, yeah. I don't and know. then it goes from there. Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur when you were younger? Uh, truth be told, no, I guess, um, I, was really longing for something that I could really apply myself to. I didn't, um, you know, whenever I was in paid employment, I, I would front up on a Monday morning and, and look forward to pay review like anyone else. But in the end, I knew deep down that I wasn't really applying myself as much as I could. And I think having set up my own business now, you apply yourself, you know, it's it's life and death without being dramatic. You know, your rent doesn't get paid unless you, <laughs> you know, um, make a dollar. So it really makes you pull your socks up and, and do your very best to get yourself ahead. Yeah, it's a different world, isn't it? It's, Most definitely, yeah. yeah. So um, so then what, what got you into this business? Yeah, Eagle? so I guess it was out of my own experience working as a paralegal initially. And I guess for the uninitiated, a, a paralegal is someone who's working in a legal services capacity but is not qualified as a lawyer. Um, I was studying to be a lawyer um, and working full-time at that time and I was working in a law firm and um, what commonly would happen is that you know week one I would go in and be you know fully engaged fully utilized and then a a piece of litigation or a transaction would finish and we'd have nothing to do for the next week and I just found that really inefficient Mm. Um, you know I would talk to my friends and family and I've got three sisters who are, are lawyers as well and um, they had the same experience that I had and um, it got to sort of four or five years later of me working in the law firm and my 
um, younger sister, she was looking to build up her paralegal experience and find out what working in a law firm was like. And I said, look, I'll just give you, you know, some low level tasks, you know, just to get a taste for it. And she enjoyed that. And she said, oh, look, I've got a friend that's looking for some experience as well. And I had a friend that had some, you know, research tasks and I physically married them up via email. And then that happened five or six times. And then I think on the seventh time, this was end of 2015, this happened, you know, the two people wrote to each other. And at that point I kind of thought, wow, this this is something that not many people have, have explored, you know, the idea of, you know, the gig economy as it's described now applied to legal services. So at that point I was really hooked and um, yeah, I spent the next 12 months sort of, you know, researching legal services and finding out where the industry was headed. And then after 12 months researching, I, I took the plunge. So yeah, onwards and upwards from there. Yeah, was it was it easy? I mean, I'm not gonna say easy. What, what was the challenge in terms of getting a gig economy off the ground? Cause you always hear people talk about double-sided marketplaces or, yeah. you know, when you've got clients on one side, clients on the other or, or people yeah. doing the work. That- yeah, I think the challenge putting, I guess, the sort of supply and demand aspect aside is that a lot of people sort of amongst maybe our generation, um, you know, they're of the view that a tech solution is always the way to do things. Um, and I probably fell for that as well, you know. Um, for the first six months that um, we were trading, I had a white-labeled project management platform that I would march around town to law firms in my network and feedback was really positive, but um, conversion was maybe a bit low and it was costing me money. And um, I spoke to someone at the sort of six-month mark and they said, look, put aside the technology and just go and talk to people. You know, just ask them how they're using their paralegals, mm. you know, have them tell you about their problems and see see what happens from there and it was remarkable what happened after that you know it's not about the technology and the solution and whatever else it's just about talking to people and building trust that way and that's that was probably the initial challenge that I struggled to overcome and I guess the other thing that stands out to me uh there was one major major client or major opportunity that led me to resign from my last legal job and, and take this on and um the law firm that was going to you know come on as our first major client um the partner rang me up in the first week that i was full-time and said look michael i'm i'm sorry to do this but i'm actually leaving legal practice i'm going to work as a management consultant and i said oh what does that mean for our you know partnership he said oh, i'm not too sure and i put the phone down and i was just you know i was devastated because i'd resigned on the premise that this fellow was going to be our first major client mm. and i guess it's sort of you know it was it was hard for a few weeks after that but you dig a hole, you fill it in. So you just have to keep at it. Yeah. But yeah. So you, you, what was it like that moment of quitting a job? I'm, I'm really intrigued. Uh, yeah. Look, I rang my dad. I remember because, um, you know, he's given me some really good advice over the years, and I think he actually used the the line, you know, you've dug this hole, go and fill it in. <laughs> um, and I, I think it was only a few weeks prior that I'd said to my my mother that I'd resigned to to start this job, and her response, you know, she's quite conservative and. Um, these days very supportive mind you but at that point I think she said something to me along the lines of do you know what you're doing and I said look I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to have a good time trying and she was really perplexed by that answer but you know two and a half years later I've built a business that's trading and onwards and upwards and she can sort of see the method behind the madness now so um, I guess that maybe comes back to maybe the point that I would maybe say to myself or to anyone that's starting a business is that make sure that you've got people behind you that are in your corner because mm. um, 
you know, without family support, um, you know, it, I wouldn't have got to where I am now. So yeah. As in family believing in you or, Oh, look, believing is probably one thing. I think, <laughs> you know, my, to go and start a business for anyone, you know, it's a huge risk. There's plenty of people marching around town with, with a slide deck and, and a, and a spreadsheet, but, um, you know, I kind of think you have to be very passionate about the industry and the vertical that you're, that you're starting, uh, that you're entering. And I think um, in the background to that, maybe you need to, um, you need, well, in terms of the practical support to answer your question, my, my sister, my elder sister, Sarah, she housed me for the first 18 months of, oh, wow. of the, the business. That so, must help. Yeah. Um, you know, that, mm-hmm. I was very, very lucky that she, that she did that for me. And, you know, it was a very small study that I was living in, but, you know, it gave me, uh, kept my costs down. And I think that's really, really important as well for anyone starting a business. It's, it's a lot harder to make money than it is to spend money. And you really need to keep your costs down in that initial well, it relieve, period. It relieves the pressure, doesn't it? When you have that support. Um, like when I started Easy Companies, my partner at the time was yeah. financially supporting like all the rent and stuff like that. Cause the minute I would turn to the company for income, mm-hmm. it would just create so much stress and lead to like almost burnout on the spot. Like yeah. just that thought of like, like how's this company going to make money? Yeah. It really stresses you out. But the more you can relieve that by having support or investment or whatever it is, there's less, there's less pressure for the business to succeed and it, you can just take your time getting there. I think that's, that's the most exciting part though, Alex, you know, because you, you it's no one else is driving the bus. It's yeah. just you. Yeah. You know, I was in Ikea over the weekend looking at furniture and I was thinking about, you know, $500 for a table or what could I do with $500 to reinvest yeah. in my business? So, you know, what could, you know, and it's, it's a discussion that you have with yourself every day, but it's, it's actually exciting because, you know, you're driving, you know, you're in charge of your own destiny. It's like choose your own adventure. It's like those books that we used to read as kids, mm. but, played out in real life so yeah that's i guess how i kind of look at things and it sounds like you yeah you have to you have to be smart about your spending as you say especially like before the business gets off the ground and there's there's that um like once you can actually start paying yourself a salary that that should be the first goal eventually is like that you can pay yourself a salary but it's yeah it's getting to that point yeah most definitely it's um yeah, it's an interesting challenge drawing salary out of the business because it, it obviously comes with opportunity costs. So, again, something that I maybe struggle with every day. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good point to pivot into. Actually, have you ever had moments that you haven't wanted to work on the business anymore, or just like those moments of faith, as I call them? Yeah, um, not really. I'm I'm so passionate about the opportunity to do something in legal services. You know, I read something just last week that said, you know. Um, and this was, you know, a thought leader writing something on LinkedIn or the business model hasn't changed in 30 years. And my ears prick up when I hear that, cause I just kind of think every other industry is changing, yeah. you know, why aren't lawyers changing their business model? Why aren't they opening their eyes? And when there's such an opportunity, I, I just, I, it's like, I can see it. I've just got to reach out and grab it. So, and I think that's probably something that I, again, maybe would encourage people to that are starting their own business. Just make sure that you're so passionate. You've got to have the passion, but you've got to probably make sure that the industry or the vertical that you're targeting, you know, that the tide is sort of flowing with you, you know, from a macroeconomic level, is is the industry going the same way you are? Because if you're going to be pushing things uphill, you maybe might come across some challenges. So, yeah. That's yeah, see, I mean, we did a live stream the other day talking about your why yeah. and like why, um, why it is you running business and you're in a business because if that's not aligned 
it's gonna just drive you crazy in the end like if you if you if your wires off or it, it just it's not a real you know real reason to be running a business yeah then that's what gets you out of bed on those days you know like that's what gets you out gets you motivated yeah i think um, for me it's about learning you learn so much you know i'd, I'd love to do this two or three times you know and, yeah. and apply what i've learned through this first business into a future business and i think just that is what it comes down to for me you know as an employee you can you can progress and you can create opportunities yourself but it's it's such a different lifestyle and um you know that's it's all about learning i guess in the end for me i think that's a good point because it's it's redefining our benchmark for success yeah and it's like in in business is a successful business one that exits and sells potentially but not necessarily because i've had three businesses that to those means have failed but they've mm. actually been the biggest learnings and the biggest lessons yeah and yeah i've learned so much from not having a successful or even making profit just mm. learning how to structure yeah. things or learning learning from those mistakes as as i could call them yeah you know it's, so. it's a really good point i think i listened to a podcast um, about six months ago and it was a woman that was in her heyday one of Australia's first um, you know leading triathletes she was going to participate in I think the 1996 Olympics and she was hit by a car on the eve of the um, Atlanta Games and she was you know paraplegic had to teach herself how to how to walk again and now she's built a successful corporate career and um, you know has bounced back amazingly well from that and she was interviewed and said what was it that allowed you to overcome those sort of setbacks, you know, that would be so significant to anyone else? And she was able to narrow it down to one thing. She said that when we were kids, we would sit around the dinner table and dad would say to us, what did you fail at today? And it, through the, the ability to sort of embrace failure, mm. you know, you're able to overcome setbacks so much, you know, it's so much easier. And it really sort of resonated with me because maybe, you know, I don't have kids yet, but, um, you know, your parents are always maybe trying to, encourage you to play it safe a little bit but these days i kind of think people have got to open the door and take a risk and, and see what happens so especially in australia i don't know it yeah. seems we're more risk averse than other well i guess I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about that as well and maybe it's got something to do with the fact that we've had you know uninterrupted economic prosperity for so many years but i think that's the platform for anyone to really want to take a risk i think you know where we've we're highly educated as a class you know We've, we've got opportunities that are left, right and center. It's just about having the courage to, to get up and give it a go. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, in that sense, it's, it's you know, it, it could even be said that it's the risk averse that has led us to that growth. Yeah, in that sense. I guess, but, yeah. We'll probably... But I think you hit a glass ceiling. Eventually you reach that kind of limit. Yeah, I think it's, it is interesting because um, uh, I've spent a bit of time um, actually at an event here. I met, um, a group of Israeli guys a couple of years ago and um, they their attitude in Israel towards startups is so different to ours you know they in in Israel I think the, the uh, it's compulsory to conduct military service um, coming out of high oh, school or university yeah. and what was explained to me is that when people go through that period of military service you you come out and you, you just you're ready to embrace risks and opportunities just purely on the back of your experience and um, that has created an amazing startup culture in Israel from what was explained to me. And um, yeah, maybe the economic circumstances are a little bit different there, but I kind of wish Australia would, um, you know, follow their lead maybe in that. In yeah, that regard. Well, you see it in the investment portfolios, like 
US takes bigger risks over yeah. Australia, just those two together. Yeah. Um, they're just more willing to kind of put their chips in and go, fingers crossed this works. You know, there is more strategy and more money behind it, but still they're just taking bigger risks. Yeah. Bigger startups. You take your same business to US, potentially you're going to get three or four times more. You know, yeah, just- that's interesting. I think I went to a seminar probably, I don't know when it was now, but it was it was uh, from a guy who'd, who'd raised, um, I think he had a courier marketplace. I'm trying to think of the name for it. But um, basically he, he was he was saying that the ability to raise, you know, um, capital uh, and bring on investors is a lot easier in the US, borrowing on what you're saying, Alex. You know, he said he spent nine months speaking to investors here and they're very conservative, maybe a little bit, unsophisticated he said he went to the u.s and he he got eight hundred thousand from a guy in the fire escape of a new york nightclub and i <laughs> i kind of thought wow that sounds like pretty uh you know he said i said oh where did you write up the term sheet he said oh just on the back of a napkin you yeah know, and a handshake you know you it doesn't need to be the level of due diligence yeah. that maybe um people come to think of here but anyway different strokes for different folks and you know plenty of australian businesses are raising money and no, there is, it's, it's coming. Things, it's so. coming up now, and I think we're moving into that territory. Mm. Um, Australia's been recognised. So, what would you say then the biggest challenges you faced in in getting the business off the ground? Um, look, it's probably just your own personal resilience. You know, that's staying disciplined. You know, um, once you've identified that there's an opportunity and a problem that people have, and 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 customers are telling me daily, you know, they're, they're struggling to manage their paralegal resources, you know, workloads in any law firm, they go up and down, you know, with client demand. So on, a, on one week, they might need, you know, 20 paralegals, the next week, they might only need five. And that's where our business sort of plays, you know, we help them manage the, the peaks and troughs in, in workload. But in that context, you know, we've managed to, or are able to identify the problem, I guess, in that, con- well, Putting that aside, it's it's just more about my own personal um, resilience in terms of managing my own time. You know, on a, on a nice day like today, I live in Bondi. I could easily go and walk down the beach and have a cup of coffee, but I know I, I bounce out of bed knowing that I've got ten things on my to do list that I have to do, and that's um, just the challenge of you know running your own business and, and being disciplined. You've just got to make sure that you've got that um, ingrained into you and that you're passionate enough. So, yeah, I'd say that's my main my main challenge. Yeah, the, the discipline's a big one it's uh because you your own boss at the end of the day and i think a lot of us i can't speak for everyone but myself um i leave i left my job because i wanted to be my own boss yeah but it's that kind of discipline gap if that makes sense already it's like i don't want to work for someone else i want to be my own boss then when you're your own boss you have to find the discipline yourself again it's yeah, still there it starts all over that again. discipline mentality still carries along and it's like okay now i have to you know somehow motivate myself and yeah i think um, um i've said to a few people on that score that it really takes probably 18 months of of running your own hmm. business to really get comfortable you know to, to come out of bed on a monday morning and, and be in the zone i guess if you can call it that and i think that's probably if i if i had to speak to myself again at the start of my sort of startup journey i'd say make sure that you have 18 months runway because it will take you that long to work out how how to get things off the ground yeah i don't know was that your own experience yeah i think to get the business to a point that i'm more comfortable with it uh but i'd already run three or four businesses before that um but yeah i'd say it's not going to be like a month later it could i don't want to you know cast doubt yeah but you're not going to be a month in and suddenly you're like cool i'm done i'm just going to hire a team and it's all sorted yeah yeah well that's and that's and that's that 
overnight success mentality you see all the other founders and you go i just want to be like facebook and you know i just want to be like i'm going to be it's going to just happen i'm going to win the lotto as yeah. a business i used to have that when i was younger that mentality like it's a lottery that you win or something yeah um Look, it's, it's like it's, you just get lucky and everyone's going to show up and be like, wow, this is awesome. Mm, <laughs> yeah, there's reality check. There's probably know? a bit of a you know misunderstanding, I think, and maybe that is kind of prevalent among some of the startup media, you know, yeah. that um, you know you just need to raise around because even for companies that have raised around, you know, Eagle hasn't, you know, we bootstrapped to this point, but yeah. I suspect that raising around creates a new set of challenges and, and they're the ones that aren't really publicized. And I think that, you know if my message to to again anyone that's starting a business is that it's all about you know scrapping you know ham and cheese sandwiches you know 7-eleven coffees that's that's what it's going to be like that's the reality of it and it's not the sort of you know um bright-eyed bushy-tailed sort of picture that maybe some publications are out there advancing because um yeah it's it's just a little bit divorced from maybe what actually goes on well, well raising brings in different challenges i'm not i'm not opposed to either yeah yeah it's just that it it's like it fixes the problems of money but yeah. you now have problems of actually building the business with that money yeah so it's like here's the money go figure it out yeah now that's a new challenge you think it fixes everything it doesn't actually yeah. i've seen it a well, few people but so really if you cast it down it's just the business is about overcoming challenges yeah so if your challenge is how do i make you know this leap here mm. even with the money it's still making it overcoming that like you know introduce yeah. the whole set of problems hr issues those kind of things that you don't have when you're working on your own but when you're working on your own your challenge is making money right so yeah most definitely and i think that's a, a good point you make on the hr piece because you know we've just hired our, our first two sort of local staff to to help me day to day and you know there's challenges in learning to manage people and that's yeah. You know, it's daunting when you first start doing it, you know, when you send someone an employment contract to actually work on the business as opposed to the paralegals that are out like working your, day to day. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've learned, I'm learning so much in terms of how to manage people. And it's, you know, I, I try and get feedback from, um, from the staff and I'm, I'm sure they think I'm a bit crazy <laughs> at times, but, you know, they can see my passion and I think that's the most important thing. But coming back to your point about the challenges that you have, you know, once you do raise the round, you know, you've still got to do the same things that you're doing before, you know, speaking to customers, finding out what their problems are. You know, those conversations don't get any easier just because yeah. you've got a, you know, six figure sum, seven figure sum in your, in your top yeah. left. So that's something that you probably have to be. be so do you speak of. to your customers on a continual basis and just get feedback from them? Most definitely. Yeah. Look, there's, there's, um, you know, a lot of people have said that you need to integrate the sort of net promoter score and those sort of features into your business and, and try and get feedback into email. But I, I really like to go and speak to people face to face if I can, you know, I kind of think that's where you get, you, you build trust, you know, you in, in a lot of businesses, I kind of think maybe in startups there's a mentality to sort of go away in, in a dark room somewhere and build something, but you, you really need to go out and speak to people and find out what's making them tick, you know, um, that, that's that's the reality of it there's no two ways about it so I, I kind of i do value those sort of engagements and the opportunity to go and speak with new customers i, I really jump at it you know even if it costs me a cup of coffee or whatever you know an hour yeah. of your time if you learn something about what a customer might want then you you know you're a step ahead so yeah that's that's yeah my i think approach. that's it it's it's learning it's learning to adapt your product to what the customers want but not 
putting all the bells and whistles they want on, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure you've had requests that you just say, no, it's not. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one because I kind of think uh, so many people, and this is maybe everyone has an opinion, you know, there's no no doubting that, but so many people at sea, Eagle, they say, oh, you should do it this way, do it that way. And I kind of think the one thing that maybe a lot of people, maybe that are starting marketplaces, and I, I don't claim to be a know-it-all on that score, but um, so many people have said to me, oh, you've just got to build a platform. And the, in the legal setting, you know, customers say to me, look, I don't necessarily need a platform. You know, I've already got a dozen windows open across my my platform at, you know, 11 a.m. on a Monday. Don't give me a 12th, you know, connect me with your paralegals quickly, but don't give me a 12th window because I, I may not want to open it. So that's maybe something that I kind of think um, you only really find out by going to speak to customers and finding out, you know, what, what their real problems are because otherwise, you know, we're in a co-working space here. There's plenty of people that have got platforms, but if it's just opening another window for someone, is that really the best way? So I don't know. We'll be, I'll be interested to see how marketplaces as a class evolve in the next sort of five or 10 years because, um, yeah, it's just something that I'm sort of struggling with as a, as a business you know, owner and leader. You know, what's the next evolution of marketplaces? So. Well, I think the, co- the whole concept of work in general is changing, right? Like where... It, it seems that way that we're all going to be running our businesses eventually or yeah. independent contractors working for different companies or something like that. It just, everything seems to be shifting, like whether it's a hype at the moment that everyone yeah. just wants to run their business or that's where it's actually heading. Yeah. Because it seems, it seems like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm going to start my business or I'm going to be just become a contractor or. Yeah, you know, look, I want that work-life balance it's, thing so I can su- be my own boss. It's supply and demand. Sorry to cut you off, Alex. I think, you know, um, in, in so many industries at the moment, you know, I hear from friends and family who are saying maybe I didn't get that pay rise that I wanted and, you know, I don't want to be downcast and downbeat about this sort of thing. But if I'm running my business and I employed, you know, person A that I had a coffee with on Saturday, if I can find five people in that industry who can do that job for less than they would then maybe you know that's what i'll try and do as an employer and that's probably why when i speak to to people that are you know um coming through university and i speak to two or three a day you know because we deal exclusively with the law student paralegals i say find a niche you know if you're going to stay an employee find a niche a set of skills that maybe other people don't have or alternatively find the courage to get up and do your own business and i, I kind of think i definitely think that's the way we're going um listened to a podcast by the founder of Upwork and he was talking about the industrial revolution and how, um, sorry if this is going off tangent, but um, he was saying that, you know, as part of the industrial revolution, you know, if you were manufacturing a car and you were putting the, the windscreen wipers on, you needed to be standing next to the person who was putting the windshield on because, you know, your job was intrinsically linked to theirs. Yeah. But, you know, in 2019, is that still the case? You know, it's, how many of yeah. us are sitting next to people in the office and we, we only might speak to them when we step out at lunch or go for a drink with them on a Friday afternoon, you know, and that's that's making people think, hey, is there a better way to do this? So I'll be interested to see which way it goes yeah, for I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm keen to see that. It seems that whole, you know, digital nomad culture is opening up and everyone's traveling the world, running their own thing. But it's going to be interesting to see that unfold. So Yeah, for sure. So what would you say your definitions for success is at the moment in terms of the business? Like what? What brings you, what's your kind of litmus test or your benchmark? Like, how do you know when you've made it? Yeah, look, strictly speaking, you know, if I was speaking to an investor, you know, it's all about paralegal hours. We trade paralegal hours. Um, we take 
25% commission on every hour that we have someone in a job. So, you know, strictly speaking, that's the measure of success. But, you know, you have to sort of divorce yourself from that a little bit because um, you can get very caught up in it. Um, oh. In that in that particular metric, yeah. Yeah, look. Uh, so at a macro level, what would you say? Yeah, probably it comes back to the learning. You know, if I'm learning, if I've learned something about a customer or I've learned something about, you know, what we could do, where there might be an opportunity for the business, that's that's what sort of drives me. You know, if if I stop learning, then I'd probably lose lose the passion for Eagle quite quickly. But, um, you know, while while I'm still two and a bit years in now, you know, you, it's, it's always learning. I'm learning HR, I'm learning operations marketing you know you, you have to have many strings to your bow and if you're not passionate you know you, you can't opt out of these things so you know just yeah, coming you, through wear, you wear 10 hats a day right it's yeah all these yeah. different <laughs> um you know just coming to the end of the tax year now having to get your tax affairs yeah. in order is is a big one so you you, you can't shirk that yeah but, and it's it's easy because you think as a founder like, i'm just going to give this someone will take care of this but they still can't because the relationship like no one can just fully take your finance and embrace it. Mm. You still need to work with them on it and figure out all these other questions. Like, you know, should we be paying this or do you want to do that? Or Yeah, is that, I, I don't know, it's maybe a question that I've asked myself many, many times, you know, because I, I tell people, and I think lawyers aren't as open about this as they should be. Most lawyers study law because they can't count. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in circumstances, particularly early days, I, um, I found, you know, the idea of managing my, you know, whatever funding I'd raise for myself in order to bootstrap the business. It's challenging, you know, because people invite you out on a Saturday, Friday, Saturday, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. You know, you don't know what your own personal runway is. So if there was a means by which, you know, people could train themselves to to be a bit more disciplined, you know, that's where I'd probably see some value. But I don't know, have you had that challenge yeah, as well? I have, yeah. And I think my, my challenge is like, you just you're wearing so many hats and then you forget about that hat and you're mm. like oh no the finance and then when you're working on that now these drop it's hard to keep balancing all the time yeah so you just have to get comfortable with not having everything in balance and in order and just realize like you know you want your finances the best they can but not perfecting it like it's okay we'll figure it out as we go along just release the control a bit to like yeah. an accountant or i think that's a really good yeah. point because um and i was saying that to one of the guys on our team, um, you know, last week, because you're coming out, you come out of university and you're ingrained to, you know, produce business strategies and spreadsheets around expectations. And, um, you know, a lot of it, I find it, it, it goes out the window so often, you know, without being too dramatic, you know, you could get hit by the bus tomorrow, you yeah, know, that sort yeah, of stuff yeah. happens, you know, week one for me, our biggest client, our first client pulled the pin, you know, yeah that's part of the excitement, but you can't put that in a spreadsheet. It just doesn't happen like that. So um, it's, it's good to forecast and have an idea. Yeah. So at least you have your kind of benchmark, but yeah. Yeah. You're right. There's, there's a balancing act, I think between the two and I'm probably being a bit dramatic saying, you know, getting hit <laughs> by the bus, but um, you know, that's actually an example of something that I have brought into Eagle in terms of documenting process. You know, if I did get hit by the bus tomorrow, I said that to our, our product guy last There's week as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, who would who would take over this business and run it? You know, what would they what would they rely on? You know, we need to document every process. And I think that's probably a key lesson that I've probably only got better at since I've brought on these people because I've had to train them up in processes. So it's been quite good to yeah, that end. Good. Yeah, nice. And do you have a routine 
you have a routine for balance? Like how do you how do you stay disciplined? How do you stay fit or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, look, fitness is a big, big thing for me. I'm not, you know, aiming for Tokyo twenty twenty or anything, but um I try and um, you know, incorporate a lot of fitness and outdoor exercise into my routine. You know, Bondi Beach over summer where I live is is really positive for that. But um other than that I, I'm big into my triathlon and I kind of feel you have to have that you know balance you have to put yourself in a position where you're happy to leave your phone at home you know i find something as simple as going into a gym these days you know you see people sitting on a bench or on a treadmill and they're looking at their phone like surely you can divorce yourself from it for an hour just yeah, to clear your yeah. mind and i i couldn't think of any 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 other way to live my life i don't, don't want to sound like i'm anti-social or against technology no, it because sense. it's a very very big enabler but you need to find a balance so the, yeah. the work-life balance you mean like not bringing your laptop into bed or yeah most definitely yeah look my my girlfriend take i have a bit of a go at her <laughs> about that but um you know uh i kind of find it's important you know and i've, I've read up on all of the there's a few different you know podcasts and i guess with the internet you can always find something that supports your view but some of the blue light radiation that's um oh, you know it doesn't sure. create a really good yeah. environment for sleep as far as i'm aware so yeah, I'm a big, I've still got the old school alarm clock actually. About um, 18 months ago, a friend of mine, I, I was selling him this idea on the beach that, you know, the old school alarm clock was the way of the future. And he took some convincing, but by the end of that afternoon, he'd started looking on Alibaba about importing alarm clocks from China. <laughs> bring, bring them back. Yeah. Yeah, look, it was- No, because uh, you, don't, you don't want your phone in your bedroom, right? Yeah. It's so tempting to reach over in the morning, pick it up and just Instagram. And you could forget completely the purpose of today. Like, well, what, do you, what do you want to get done today? 15 like minutes. Like, journal, journal it down in five minutes or something or meditate. Yeah. Focus on yourself, not the whole world and what they're up to. Yeah. yeah. My rule is complete your exercise as a first port of call. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm up at 5.45 exercising Go ideally by six, you know, you can look at your phone as a reward after that. And yeah. that's, again, I say that to my sisters and they'll say, oh, you've got a bit of a superiority complex. You know, people need their phones to live. And I don't doubt that but well, it's about yeah. your um need you know, their phones to live well <laughs> that's a hot, that's a discussion for another day i think yeah, yeah. look maybe a separate podcast I'm, uh, I'm very i'm very i'd like to think i'm good at balancing it you know without trying to force it on people so maybe i shouldn't be coming on a public forum like this and, and spruiking no, my I've, views but um yeah yeah it's definitely a balance i think we'd agree yeah no it's good all right well look it's it's been great having you on the podcast and i look forward to seeing the next few years at eagle and where it, where it goes and Thanks very much for having me on, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks. Cheers. Also, if you haven't already, check out our YouTube channel. It's available under the Easy Companies account and there'll be a nine to survive playlist. So I hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next time.